another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day, I guess, in one sense for Vladimir Putin. He finally got some outspoken support on the international stage. I mean, it's been kind of amazing. China twice at the UN has voted abstain. They haven't voted no on very tough resolutions uh, condemning Russia. They've just said, we, we won't take a position on that. But finally, North Korea stood up courageously and uh, defended Putin as a peace-loving and great statesman of the world and called the uh, greatest danger in the world is the United States. Uh, okay. Uh, why is China, which had just recently pledged itself to friendship without limits, an alliance without limits to Russia, why are they so quiet on this war? Uh, no one better to ask than uh, Gordon G. Chang. Gordon is the author of The Coming Collapse of China and the great U.S.-China tech war. Uh, you can reach him and read his always informative and very well-informed blog uh, at, uh, at, on, on Twitter. Uh, go to his Twitter account at Gordon G. Chang. Uh, and that's at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Okay, so Gordon, were you surprised to see China abstaining in uh, some of these confrontations at the United Nations about Russia's invasion? Uh, no, Michael. And the reason is that uh, China knew that Russia was going to veto at the Security Council. And it knew that whatever it did, um, it wasn't going to have an effect at the General Assembly. So I think that they felt that they could portray themselves as being reasonable. And they're starting to, I think, be unnerved by the Russian failure to take Ukraine quickly. See, Beijing's view is that big countries can do whatever they want, and um, the little countries have to comply. Um, but a little country, Ukraine, is actually causing a lot of heartburn in Moscow. And I think that that really surprised Beijing, and they don't want to be too closely associated with someone who is being seen as a war criminal. Now, Beijing um, is still supporting Putin um, from an economic point of view. This is what's really important. Um, but nonetheless, from an appearance point of view, they don't mind sort of distancing themselves from Putin. Well, uh, wouldn't it be, I mean, people have uh, speculated about this. Uh, one of the ways that uh, this invasion could be called back or the war could end would be a very strong statement to that effect and strong leadership from Xi Jinping, wouldn't it? If, if he turned against Putin to the extent of uh, joining with the rest of the world in joint demands that they pull back troops and stop the shelling and stop the missiles, wouldn't that have to have some effect on Russia? That would have some effect on Russia. Well, what really would stop Putin in his tracks is uh, Beijing not buying wheat, not buying coal, not buying oil and gas. If China were to uh, cut off those flows of money to Moscow, I think that Putin would um, very much realize that he lost and that he's got to get out of Ukraine. Beijing, unfortunately, is not going to do that. Beijing won't do it until someone whose last name is Biden actually starts imposing sanctions on China for financing the war in Ukraine. Um, so right now, um, China will 
see it cost-free to continue um, paying for and, and financing that war. And what about North Korea? I mean, other than just the sheer cussedness of it, what's in it for uh, Kim Jong-un uh, to uh, be the lone voice? There were only four other countries that voted with Russia in the Assembly at the UN. There are 141 votes condemning uh, Russia, and there were a, a total of five votes uh, opposing a resolution. Russia, of course, North Korea, Eritrea, uh, Syria, and, uh, and and Belarus. <laughs> that was it. Uh, your your five part axis of uh, at, at least delusion. Uh, so what what ab about that benefits uh, the North Koreans to be boosting Russia right now? Uh, two things. Uh, first of all, um, uh, North Korea does get a limited amount of support from Russia. Russia has been helping to break uh, UN sanctions, um, especially with these ship-to-ship -ship transfers in international water. Um, so that's the primary thing. But second of all, the Kim family traditionally has had a closer affinity with Putin and with Russian leaders than it has had with the Chinese. Now, the Chinese are much more important in terms of material support for the North Korean state, but um, Koreans and Chinese don't mix. Um, the Koreans, by and large, hate Chinese, and I mean hate, it's not just a poor. And so they, the Kim family has always felt more comfortable um, with the, who's ever in the Kremlin at the moment. Um, and what... What next? What uh, what happens with this new world order? Is there going to be any permanent damage? I would hope uh, in the the limitless alliance between Russia and China. Um, that's a great question. Um, I think it really depends on how effective the Ukrainian people are in dealing with the Russians. Um, you know, most people assume that from a military point of view, Russia will be able to take over at least the major population centers in Ukraine, and then it becomes a war of attrition. Um, um, but um, to the extent that Russia is not able to effectively control Ukraine, then um, this new axis has a real problem, um, because that's going to inspire the people in Taiwan. Already we see uh, in Taiwanese society, for instance, that they understand that they now have to do more to defend themselves. That is going to be a good thing, of course, especially that will by itself also encourage Americans to help more when we see Taiwan taking a more active interest in its defense. Um, if Russia crushes Ukraine, um, then I think that we could be headed for some of the worst outcomes. And we've also um, got to be extremely concerned that um, Vladimir Putin uses uh, weapons of mass destruction in Ukraine. No, God, God forbid. What what context do you think he would use those weapons of mass destruction if that were even to happen? I think that uh, he very well may decide not to fight for Kiev street by street and district by district. That he just may uh, have that forty mile uh, line of armor just circle the city, and uh, then use either chemical weapons or tactical nukes. Um, and uh, make it easy for him to walk in later on. Um, you know, a lot of Western military analysts say that, um, you know, there's no use for tactical nukes in the Ukraine conflict. 
But I think there is, um, because we've got to um, look back. Um, Russia has this escalate to de-escalate, or more uh, correctly, escalate to win. In other words, to use nuclear weapons early in a conventional conflict or crisis in order to get the other side to either back down or to destroy them. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that, um, but I'm saying that uh, we underestimate him. Um, he is malicious, as we could see from any number of, uh, you know, the deliberately targeting civilians, um, deliberately going after that power plant in southeastern Ukraine. This is a guy who is like, we talk about the no limits partnership between China and Russia. Well, this is a guy who has no limits on what he is willing to do to take over and annex all of Ukraine. Which is uh, an appalling thought. Uh, and, and again, uh, if there is going to be any kind of negotiated settlement short of that, uh, China would almost surely have to be a part of it. But we will keep in touch. Uh, Gordon, always appreciate your enlightenment and your perspective. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. And you can read uh, some of the latest columns posted at the michaelmedved.com. We will be right back. 955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. And on the uh, Michael Medved Show, the uh, Supreme Court today made actually a very substantive, very important, and very right-minded decision. It was announced today. They made the decision before, of course. The Supreme Court has reinstated the death sentence for convicted Boston Marathon bomber Jokar Tsarnaev. You remember him. He, uh, he actually made the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Remember, they're trying to gin up some sympathy for him. He and his brother had uh, completely imbibed the poison, the toxin of jihadist ideology and killed three people, wounded uh, many others at the Boston Marathon. The justices today on a six to three vote agreed with the Biden administration in their argument that a federal appeals court was wrong to throw out the sentence of death the jury had imposed uh, on uh, Tsarnaev for his role in the bombing that killed three people in 2013. The first U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Boston ruled in 2020 that the trial judge improperly excluded evidence that could have shown Tsarnaev was deeply influenced by his older brother. Tamerlan, and who was somehow less responsible for the car carnage than his dead brother. The appeals court also faulted the judge for not sufficiently questioning jurors about their exposure to extensive news coverage of the bombing. The uh, majority disregarded that. This is what the majority held. Uh, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote for the majority. And the majority included Justice Roberts, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, Justice Alito, uh, Justice, uh, and then the three new justices, uh, Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch. Um, 
The majority held Jokar Charnayev committed heinous crimes. The Sixth Amendment nonetheless guaranteed him a fair trial before an impartial jury. He received one. The dissent was uh, written for uh, Stephen Breyer and Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, Stephen Breyer wrote, in my view, the Court of Appeals acted lawfully in holding that the district court should have followed Jokar to introduce, allowed Jokar to introduce this evidence. I've written elsewhere about the problems inherent in the system that allows for the imposition of the death penalty. This case provides just one more example of some of those problems. I think it's very likely that when Katanji uh, Brown-Jackson comes before the Senate Judiciary Committee, and I'm sure she will be treated respectfully, and I am sure she will get some Republican votes enough so that she will be confirmed. But it's perfectly reasonable to ask her uh, about this case that she will not be sitting on, because uh, when the uh, with Jokar Tarnayev now twice having uh, been adjudicated and having the Supreme Court validate the original death penalty conviction. Uh, I'm sure there will be more legal actions to try to avoid it, but uh, he'd have a tough time getting an insurance policy right now. And uh, speaking about somebody who should also have a tough time getting an insurance policy, the uh, story, it's... Uh, anti-vaccine doctor who pushed hydroxychloroquine pleads guilty for entering Capitol on January 6th. Actually, she should be on trial for, I mean, the, the tremendous amount of, of just false information that she and her organization have provided and uh, their involvement in anti-vax demonstrations and um, publications. Simon Gold is uh, known as an anti-vaccination doctor who entered the U.S. Capitol during the January 6th attack. She pleaded guilty to a Class A misdemeanor count of knowingly uh, entering and, the, um, uh, and remaining in a restricted building. Uh, she pleaded guilty yesterday. Uh, Simon Gold, a hydroxychloroquine advocate, who was arrested in California last January, was facing a felony charge of obstruction of a federal proceeding, as well as several misdemeanor charges. Uh, she is likely to receive a sentence when she uh, gets her sentencing of uh, either zero to six months. She's uh, more than 750 defendants have been arrested by the FBI in connection with the January 6th attack. Over 2,500 people are believed to have either entered the Capitol during the attack or attacked officers or members of the media outside of the building. Now, why is she being treated so much less uh, harshly than uh, the, um, the individual whose trial is just winding up now? Uh, I'm talking about uh, a Guy Wesley Reffitt who is uh, an oil field worker from Texas and a member of the Three Percenters. And the testimony at the trial uh, was largely given over to the evidence that investigators had extracted from Mr. Reffitt's electronics devices, including a 30-minute video he made of himself 
in the crowd outside the Capitol with uh, a camera mounted on his helmet. He also was wearing a, um, a vest, a protective vest, uh, and uh, carrying uh, apparently two, two weapons with him into the Capitol building. In the video that he made himself, a foul-mouthed Mr. Reffitt can be heard repeatedly urging people in the mob to storm into the building and drag the lawmakers, including Speaker Nancy Pelosi, out by their hair or ankles. Nancy Pelosi's 80, uh, but that's, I mean, again, if they're going to stop the steal, then they're going to have to drag out Nancy by her hair and her ankles. I didn't come here to play. I'm taking the Capitol, he said at one point in this video he made on January 6th. I just want to see Pelosi's head hitting every stair on the way out. Um, prosecutors also showed the jury a recording of a Zoom call that Mr. Reffitt took part in with other members of the th Texas Three Percenters after he returned from Washington. The call contained an echo of the testimony given Wednesday by a former Capitol Police officer, Ashana Kirkhoff. Ms. Kirkhoff told the jury that uh, she had started to panic after firing dozens of pepper balls at Mr. Reffitt, none of which managed to stop his advance up a staircase in the building. On the Zoom call, Mr. Reffitt recounted the same events, telling his fellow militiamen that uh, he had been hit at least 20 times by Mrs. Kirchhoff's projectiles, but that his body armor had absorbed most of the blows. The saddest part is they also played tape of him threatening his own son with murder if he uh, gave evidence against his father. A sad case, the verdict, we'll see. Uh, more coming up on the Medved Show, including The Batman. Worth the time? God bless America. I mean, you hear so many times people saying Americans are shallow, they're materialistic, they don't care, they don't trust their neighbors, they're not public-spirited, they're not patriotic, they're not this, they're not that. A big new poll, and again, the polling is important right now because it's always very tough for people to come together when the nation is at war. There will always be some people to stand back. I think perhaps because the United States is not directly involved at this point, uh, it's easier for people to be overwhelmingly supportive for the Ukrainians. But this actually shows that Americans can be selfless at a time of crisis uh, to make personal sacrifices for the sake of goodness and righteousness. And that's what I think is at stake in this war. Uh, there was a majority of respondents uh, showed that um, they would be willing to pay more because of the crisis and uh, that they would be willing to pay more for fuel and for gas at the pump. That would be worthwhile for the sake of defending another democratic country. That's 58%. That was up from... Uh, 49% who agreed with that statement in a poll just taken uh, 10 days ago before this invasion had proceeded with the horrors that are associated with it. 
And one of the things that uh, I think is extraordinary right now is that there haven't been that many gross political attempts to analogize Ukraine to anything else because it isn't like anything else. There's nothing else going on in our politics right now that resembles Ukraine. And people who say that there is uh, are just foolish and making themselves look foolish. Stacey Abrams, who is a uh, candidate for governor, again, in Georgia, and a, um, a very prominent Democratic spokesman, uh, went on with Trevor Noah on The Daily Show, and she said this. Listen, it's clip 17. We are a stronger nation when we allow people to participate. And if we ever doubted that, the war that Putin is waging against Ukraine, President Zelensky said, and I'm going to paraphrase him probably poorly, he said, this isn't a war on Ukraine. This is a war on democracy in Ukraine. When we allow democracy to be overtaken by those who want to choose who can be heard, mm -hmm. and th those choices are not based on anything other than animus or inconvenience, then that is wrong. Okay. In other words, she is comparing attempts that she doesn't like, and we all know that, uh, at electoral reform that have been made by Republican legislation. Comparing that to, to shooting missiles and shelling and attacking nuclear reactors and nuclear facilities. I mean, come on, with making a million people refugees? I, in other words, is she comparing what it takes for a family to get out of Ukraine to move to a new home hundreds of miles away uh, while they try to wait out this war and hope for a decent outcome? She's comparing that to the profound inconvenience of showing your voter ID before you vote? I mean, really? Uh, oh, breaking news. I guess Russia making its big bid for some uh, conservative support here in America. Uh, it just banned Facebook. Well, that's... Yeah. Uh, more pictures of that perfect omelet? Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, there was also the worst comment recently that I think President Biden has made about the uh, war also trivializes it. And it's it's actually I'm, I'm very sorry the president said this, but uh, he suggested that there was somehow a connection between the hideous war in Ukraine and the Capitol riot on January 6th. Now, how's he draw that connection? See if you can follow his logic, because I simply cannot. This is clip 18. Vladimir Putin was counting on being able to <clears throat> split up the United States. Look, how would you feel if you saw crowds storm and break down the doors of the British Parliament, kill five cops, injure 145, or the German Bundestag, or the Italian parliament, I think you'd wonder, well, that's what the rest of the world saw. It's not who we are. And now we're proving, under pressure, that we are not that country. We're united. And folks, that's how I was able 
we were able to make sure we kept Europe united and the free world united. A vote in the United Nations to condemn Putin. 141 countries voted to do that. In the UN, General Assembly. Okay, uh, do, does it fair game to somehow suggest that this invasion was caused or facilitated or uh, basically encouraged by uh, the terrible events of January 6th? Certainly not after the response by the public, which has not been uh, to support that kind of violence now or or in the future. In other words, America is not at the point of civil war. And it was unhelpful for the president. He was obviously trying to think on his feet, which is always dangerous. Um, and again, trying to, to make that analogy really fair, useful. And by the way, Mr. President, five cops were not killed that day. It's a terrible thing. And some of the injuries were terrible. Some people's lives have been changed profoundly by the injuries they got fighting on uh, January 6th. But the only uh, persons who uh, were killed, there were two demonstrators, Ashley Babbitt, who was shot, and then uh, I forget the other name, who was trampled by other demonstrators. Two were killed on site, and then there were a number of other suicides associated with, uh, with that event. There's also what is a recent suicide of a... Uh, one of the demonstrators who was awaiting trial and apparently uh, frustrated that his case um, was not being heard. He took his own life very recently. And then there's this. Uh, Russians can have a sense of humor. Uh, there is a, uh, a business television that is still being broadcast in Russia, though they don't want people to hear too much about how business is going. There was an analyst who was on to uh, talk about the cratering Russian stock market. And he opened a bottle of vodka, no doubt, and offered a funeral toast. Dear stock market, you are interesting. Rest in peace, dear comrade. It sounded like this. Дорогой фондовый рынок, ты был нам близок, был интересен. Покойся с миром, дорогой товарищ. Я не буду комментировать этот флешмоб. Не хочу, потому что я... Okay, and then they toast and take a big deep sip, uh, toasting the departure uh, and de facto destruction of the uh, stock market. Uh, the Macron, who spoke to... Uh, Putin yesterday uh, for about 90 minutes and uh, France says our analysis of the military operations is the Russian ambitions are to take control of all of Ukraine said a senior French official uh, there is nothing in what President Putin said that should reassure us we have to expect that the worst is yet to come does that pertain to any of the movies uh, there are three of them We'll cover. One of them's actually quite good, but uh, we'll get to that coming up on the Medved Show.
world's troubles. Uh, I so much look forward to this weekend where it looks like we might have some sunshine. A reminder that uh, with um, all of the difficulties and all of the downbeat aspects that uh, get covered in the news and, yes, on the show all the time, there's still a reminder that spring is coming. Uh, Rebirth, fresh start, and uh, it's actually just a couple of weeks away. We're talking about, what, three of them, uh, something like that. Uh, so you should have a wonderful weekend. And some of you, I think many of you, are going to go out to see the critically acclaimed masterpiece, not uh, The Batman. It's uh, three hours long from Hollywood. Okay, every once in a while, I, I read a um, review that I agree with entirely, and uh, that that also that um, uh, I think is exceptionally entertaining and makes me laugh out loud. So let me share this with you. It's a review from a wonderful critic, Moira McDonald, who's the critic for the Seattle Times here in town. And she begins her review of The Batman with Robert Pattinson by saying, imagine, if you will, the pitch meeting for The Batman. Matt Reeves' reboot of the Cape Crusader franchise starring Robert Pattinson. Matt Reeves is a guy best known for doing the second and third installment of the new Planet of the Apes series. He says, um, like Joker, says someone at a conference table, but more depressing. Someone else pipes up, we could save money on lighting by just, you know, not lighting it at all. And another joins in. And when, if we, what if we made it really, really long? Behold the Batman, she writes, which is all of these things, depressing, dark, and endless. I think it's about seven hours long, to be precise. But I may have blacked out toward the end. It's three hours long, and it does feel much longer than that. It's definitely a, 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 an ordeal. She writes, I think it's almost about seven hours long, so to be precise, but I may have blanked out toward the end. I don't know about you, but this particular time in history does not seem like the moment for a movie that will leave you, A, miserable, and B, wondering why nobody in Gotham City seems to have heard of light bulbs. Your mileage may uh, vary, but for me, who loved both the Tim Burton and the Christopher Nolan Batman universes, this one feels like an earnest but bloated misfire. I, a misfire is too kind a word. Um, and, and Robert Pattinson, you can say, he, he delivers his lines. And he, he honestly, he seems less lifelike wearing the bat suit almost the entire time than Lego Batman, which is a much better movie. Uh, he does have an interaction with the... Uh, Zoe Kravitz plays the lady who will later become, if they make a sequel to this, which they undoubtedly will, she'll later become Catwoman. Uh, this is part of their interaction. It's lovely. You really could be doing more for this city. Riddler's latest. It's all about the Waynes. If we don't stand up, no one will. You got a lot of cats. Everything about strays. The bat and the cat. You a new friend of yours? I'm not so sure. You're part of this, too. How am I part of this? Oh, you're really not as smart as I thought you were. 
It can be cruel, poetic, or blind. Justice. The answer's justice. Okay, the answer's justice. I, why? What, what, what? The answer's justice. Cool. I, on, of the, um, by the way, the best performance in the movie is Paul Dano, who, uh, who plays the Riddler. He's actually pretty good. The, the film is incoherent. You, you can't understand. And, and by the way, it's operatic in the worst way. Uh, one of the things that is terrible, particularly about Wagner operas, is everything will come grinding to a halt from time to time when somebody gives you a summary of what's happened so far. And these summaries of what's happened so far and background summaries and the talky exposition, it's all incredibly lame. There have been very fine Batman movies series. The one with Christopher Nolan are the best. And, and uh, even Tim Burton Batman uh, works. And I, again, I'm very fond of Lego Batman. I think that movie works. This one does not. And... The fact that it's getting such uh, positive reviews, uh, just uh, uh, don't check it out for yourself because it'll also be rewarding them with the idea of charging extra for this film because there's a big wanna-see factor. Uh, Batman, The Batman, which attempts to go back to the 1930s to the origins of the comic book series, uh, is completely lacking in the one characteristic that's made all these other Batman films work, which is fun. None here. Uh, two stars for The Batman, and it's rated PG-13, and that's a problem because it probably should be R with unremitting violence and brutality and nastiness. Speaking of unremitting violence and brutality and nastiness, the um, there's a film uh, out there that is called Asking for It, which is about a group of uh, rape victims, and it's mostly rape or just bad treatment by men, who have formed a very hip, very stylish, very brutal group of uh, female vigilantes, uh, and um, they have it in in particular for Ezra Miller, who plays a leader of a misogynistic cult called the Men First Movement. Listen. Nothing I love more than watching grown men squeal. Now they want us to give up power willingly into the hands of people who are incapable of wielding it. Over my dead body. What are we doing? Kind of like a clean up the streets program. Okay, I'll smack you in the mouth. I'd like to see you try. There's some feminists who want to attack my event. The violence, you know it's going to come back to you. It always does. Remember, boys, be nice. Okay, there's nothing nice about the movie. There's nothing entertaining about the movie. There's nothing competent about the movie. I guess they just released this one to make Batman, the Batman, look better. Uh, it is um, honestly thoroughly dislikable movie with Vanessa Hudgens and Ezra Miz Miller, as I mentioned, and uh, Rana Mitchell, who's a veteran actress and has been very good, plays sort of the leader of this band of Avengers. Um, but the entire thing is, uh, again, extraordinarily unpleasant and poorly acted almost beyond belief, a, a level of amateurishness with arty direction with special camera effects that only make it worse.
one star for major worst of the year contender, very much rated R, asking for it. Uh, you will ask for it. That would be your money back. Uh, then there's something else which is available on uh, Internet right now and, and also in theaters. It is a, um, a film called uh, Lucy and Desi. And uh, what does this have to do with being the Ricardos? This is not a, a film with actors and actresses, though there's some actors and actresses recalling Lucy, uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. It's a documentary made with the cooperation of their children and uh, people who knew them well. Listen. My parents had these audio tapes. I was madly in love with Desi. I've never felt that way about anyone before. The only reason I Love Lucy exists is because they wanted to be together. Desi Lu was responsible for some of the greatest television of the 20th century. She was fearless. You realize that women could do this too. We had no idea Desi Lu was going to become what it was. Work became our whole life. There was a cost to the success. Uh, the film is uh, rated PG. It is streaming on Amazon Prime, and it's flat-out wonderful. And you feel better seeing it. It's a love story. And yes, it's a love story that ends in divorce. But uh, the, the, the intensity of their feeling for each other, first of all, the clips are amazing. And behind-the-scenes clips in the shows. And just, just as I, I very much appreciated, and I do think it deserves his Oscar nominations, the uh, being the Ricardo's praise. Here, this is one of the most unconventional and compelling love stories you're likely to see. Three and a half stars for the truly memorable documentary, Lucy and Desi. By the way, it's directed by... Uh, Amy Poehler, and uh, uh, and also produced in part by uh, Ron Howard and Brian Glazer, in this greatest nation on God's green earth.